Welcome to Solo Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your solo cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to Solo Cleaning School. Let's crank off this episode called Remember Lake George with a funny papers edition. Here you go. In my last episode, Every Conversation is a Seed, I shared the story of how I met Michelle, that led to Lon calling me six months later. I was highly recommended. I cleaned a large house where the owner had passed away, and a member of the family who was the executor was handling the estate and hired Lon to sell the property, and Lon and the client hired me to clean it prior to sale. And it was a great effort that I put into this house. It looked amazing. There was one little kink. And things like this do happen. And, oh boy, I don't like cleaning refrigerators to begin with. But this refrigerator, it needed to be completely cleaned out. Every single shelf, every drawer. I brought them out of the refrigerator, put them on the counter, the sink. I would wash them, disinfect every single piece And it probably took me an hour and 15 minutes to do the entire refrigerator. Had there not been a glitch, a kink, a time suck, a waste called shattered glass. Uh Uh-oh, now you know where this is going. Most refrigerators that I clean have a glass shelf on the bottom where like the fruit vegetable tray slides from. I would always take this glass shelf out, lay it across the sink or the counter, and I would scrub it. Both sides along the edges, then disinfect, rinse it off, dry it, put it back in. No difference here. I had already cleaned three quarters of the fridge, got to the glass shelf, held it over the sink, and I literally bumped the corner of this glass shelf into the sink. No kidding. Have you ever seen one of those funny movies where they exaggerate things and like there's this bomb and just like a little pin hits it and this massive explosion. It's like, why did that create that? It doesn't make sense. That's why it's funny. Well, in this case, it doesn't make sense either because I tapped the glass into the side of the metal sink, the corner, and it had this much of a sound. About like that. But the next thing that happened did not make sense, but it really happened. <laughs> The glass shelf literally exploded in my hands in about 500 pieces of shattered glass. It went in the sink, it went on the counter, it went on the floor, it shot across the room, and a few pieces sliced through two of my fingers. I was in shock. Um, One second I'm holding the glass tray, my two hands clutching the side. The next second, my hands are still clutching, but there's nothing to hold on to. Everything is all over the place. Do you remember Ralphie from the Christmas story when he helped his dad change the spare tire and his dad was trying to beat the world record for how fast? I think Ralphie dropped a wrench. And the next moment you see that Ralphie's dad said, what did you say? And he told the mom, oh my gosh. And then she's washing his face out with soap. And his friend got in trouble. So I won't say I reacted quite like that, but I was in complete shock. And I just looked at the disaster in front of me saying, what just happened? Did that just happen? Like two questions, different tones, 
don't know how to answer either of them. So I don't waste my time. Okay, it happened. I'm going to have to tell the owner. I pay for it. No worries. I'll definitely finish the refrigerator, make it look awesome. But I would need to take a slight detour and clean this up. How am I going to clean this one up? Because not only is the glass in the sink, it's in the garbage disposal. And you can't let pieces of glass get grinded through the garbage disposal. It's not good for the garbage disposal of the sink. And it could be a future hazard for the family moving in. I did not have good equipment, so it's an act of God, literally, that I went into the garage and there is a shop vac. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this one. There's a shop vac in there, and I get the shop vac, I hook it up in the kitchen, and I spent the next half an hour vacuuming up broken glass and dumping it into a trash bag for later drop-off. And I also was able to take that shop vac tube and put it right down into the garbage disposal and suck all of those little pieces out. So when I was done, there was absolutely no trace of any glass. I did have to bandage two of my fingers because they were bleeding pretty good. Oh, minor detail, I did bandage my cuts up before I bled all over the kitchen and did the rest of the cleanup. So yes, the bandages were applied. And what kind of bandages? Oh, let's just say this, electrical tape and paper towel. That's my go-to bandage. I know it's not the ideal first aid kit, but it does work in cleaning pinches. Oh boy. Oh boy. In this episode, I want to take you back to the first year in my solo cleaning business. At this time in my life, well, Teresa and I, both of us, we're a young married couple. We have one baby He's about a year and a half. We just started this cleaning business. We have no money. We're far away from home, five hours from our family. We have $170,000 in debt, which is a stinking mortgage, but we had no house. It was all school, legal, medical, everything you can think of. We had it. We owed 33 different businesses or individuals money. It was not a good thing. We had people calling us every day, wanting money, and we had the same answer. Sorry, we don't have any. Would you like to make a deal with us and do a settlement? But we didn't have money for settlement either. But I'm still cleaning and doing whatever I can to scratch any kind of coins together. Have you ever been in a place where literally every dollar that you were earning was being spent before you even earned it? That was us, 2006. In fact, that entire year... We earned less than 20000 in our business, and that's income. Like 19000 was the actual number. 19000 a family of three, even in 2006, isn't cutting it. We had rent that was $800 alone, which represented literally 50% of our income was for rent. But we still had to eat. We still had to pay for some basic utilities. I mean, it was a difficult thing to pull off. And every single place I worked was hard because I'm learning. I'm initializing in my solo cleaning company. There was no ISO model. There was no Facebook cleaning groups for me to ask questions. I didn't have any clue what I was doing except this is a sponge. This is a spray. This is a vacuum cleaner. Go make money. And then I introduced myself to the this is a squeegee. Go clean some windows. And thankfully, 
Very thankfully, I was set up through Coldwell Banker as the preferred vendor, and they sent me all over God's creation in upstate New York to clean whatever they needed, and I obliged every time. There was not the two-letter word no in my vocabulary in 2006. I just did whatever I could, and I didn't charge enough, but I was learning. I was getting better, and most of the work I was doing was nasty. I would come home drenching in sweat and dirty. I had blue shirts, so I had bleached or greased out blue shirts, which were gross, and I stank. I wasn't really feeling that great about myself and how I took my engineering career where I sat in a nice cubicle with air conditioning and I got to wear nice, comfortable clothes and sit in a desk all day. That was luxury compared to what I am doing now, cleaning to the level where I am disgusting and I look like a pig. What am I doing Why am I doing it? And that's what I want to dive into today. Why am I doing it? Because for us, I lost my heart. I lost my dream in the engineering world because they essentially put the decision before me. What's more valuable? What's higher priority? You working for us or your family? That may or may not be true, but that's how it was communicated to me when I was there. And probably only because I was on a upper management track within the company, within the corporate world. They were wanting to groom me for upper management in my 20s, 30s, and set me up for a potential of an executive position in my late 30s, early 40s. Therefore, I had to take it to the absolute utmost seriousness. And family? Well, hopefully family works out. That was the mindset. I didn't want any part of that world. And I've shared that on this podcast. I've also shared that we're a Christian family, and we tithe, and we believe that God has something greater for us. And we had some side businesses, and when we got fired from that job, I knew that another door would open, and the cleaning business was it. I got that interview to get on this real estate preferred vendor service literally a week after I'm fired. I knew that was the door opening, and God saying, walk through the door, Ken. Just go through the door. He never said, Ken, this is going to be a wonderful door. It's going to be full of luxury, and it's just going to work out. Not at all, it turns out. You walk through the door, and I walked into a pig pen. But you know what I did? I embraced the pig pen, and I became the person to clean the pig pen. I felt literally like that. If you listen to some of the funny stories I've told, deer carcass, and cleaning some nasty stuff, and crime scene clean, things I've seen and done are just disgusting, and you probably have dealt with the same. Now, there's so many pros and cons of this because you do become stronger as a person. You also learn what you do and don't do well, and you can start to filter out the things you don't want as you get better. But in the beginning, like you, I took everything. I didn't say no. And the dream that Teresa and I had for freedom, for having a large family, for flexibility, having a nice house, not renting forever, getting out of debt, traveling. Those dreams were alive and well in our hearts, and it kept me motivated to clean from pig pen to pig pen. Now, granted, not all the houses were gross. It just felt like that in that first year. It was like my boot camp in the army is cleaning these nasty places. But it's the dream. It's the dream that kept me motivated. I'm telling you, if you don't get a dream that's bigger than the problem, you will never overcome the problem. There's an incredible leader in the Amway business, which I was a part of with Teresa, and his name is Larry Winters, and he's always said this, if your dream is big enough, the facts don't count. So let me just share a story. Now, I've called this episode Remember Lake George. I want to tell you about a specific client that was a game changer for me. I learned some valuable lessons. 
in 2006. It was around May. So Albany, New York, where I had just spent the last three months, literally because winter seems to go till April, going through nasty cold weather and cleaning these ridiculously hard pig pens, (laughs) I was struggling because it's cold, it's dark, and it's Albany. But here it is, May, and the Cobble Banker Preferred Vendor Service, they're sending me lead after lead, and I'm taking everything I can. And then I got the call for a customer. His name was Michael C. He lives in New York City. He's a big-time attorney. I can tell he's got some serious money because he has a second house up on Lake George. Now, if you've never been to upstate New York, I may joke and disparage Albany. My apologies to the residents of Albany. However, the Adirondacks are gorgeous. In fact, when I was in South Carolina and I took my interviews in Albany, New York for a potential job transfer within GE to get closer to the Philadelphia area, I went to visit Albany, New York in June. And it is gorgeous in upstate New York in June. The foliage, the trees, the bridges, the rivers, the mountains, the sunshine, it is gorgeous. My report back to Teresa, oh my goodness, you're going to love it in New York. It's beautiful. Now, I took the job, and my November the 1st, we had our first two-foot snowstorm. Okay, that started a downward spiral. But I'm telling you, outside of Albany, there are some gorgeous areas. The Adirondacks are insane. Lake George is incredible. It's a beautiful lake. They have tours. It's a highly touristy area. Saratoga Springs has the racetrack. There's so much history. There's a lot of Revolutionary War history and battlefields. It's just a really cool area, especially in the summer. Well, it turns out that Michael C. had a house on the lake at Lake George. So I went up there for the estimate, walked around, got into the kitchen, and overlooked the great room with all of the beautiful furniture and the bay windows that went from wall to wall, there was the most beautiful scenic view I think I've seen in years. And I've done some really amazing traveling. I have been to the South Pacific. I've been all over Europe. I've done the Caribbean. been all around the country. I traveled a lot before Teresa and I started our family. I'm telling you, though, this view is incredible. And I was very hopeful to get the job just so I could spend a day looking down that mountainside of green, lush foliage and into the sparkling crystal blue lake of Lake George and seeing the boats. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I did. I offered a proposal with some prices to Michael C. And he accepted. We set a date and I came back to work at my dream home. This place was awesome. I was so looking forward to going to Lake George to clean because this was not a pig pen. It was going to be the nicest place I've ever cleaned. And I remember walking in the front door and it kind of opens into just a little hallway. Then there's a little half bath. I remember this house well. So, of course, I set myself up. I cleaned the half bath first. And then I went up to the master bathroom, which had a really cool view of the lake And then I worked myself down into the kitchen because that's where I wanted to camp and spend some time. Because the kitchen was set up with a big open counter that opened up to the great room with these beautiful leather couches and the table with the magazines and the books sitting on them and the big screen TV in the corner and that large wall-to-wall window that had to be about 25 feet long and 8 feet high. It seemed like one piece of glass. 
and it's crystal clear looking through the glass as I clean the kitchen sink, the counters. I can just look up and I can see across the lake. Again, those boats, the sunshine coming in. I could imagine myself being one of the people on those boats, being one of the people on the water skis, being one of those people on the parasail being pulled behind the boat, being one of those people down there on the beach in the sun and not cleaning because they have money. They don't have the debt that I do. Now, they probably really did have no money and the debt that I do, but they were doing this stuff anyway. Now, maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but I felt that way. I wanted to be Michael C. and get to come here on the weekend and just chill out get my book, sit on that couch, and look out the window with my coffee in the morning. What an incredible view. What an incredible inspiration every single morning. Even get my Bible, open it up, and just look out over God's creation. I couldn't stop thinking. The dreams were just spinning inside my head. I was getting so full of energy. The passion was overflowing, and the work got easier. The cleaning was easier. It almost felt like I wasn't even working at all. I was dreaming to such a level and imagining myself, my wife, my children growing up and being in a lifestyle like this. I wanted to be Michael C. I don't remember finishing the house. I don't remember driving home. I don't remember coming home, giving my wife a hug and a kiss and sitting down for dinner. I don't remember any of that. But I remember Lake George. I remember Lake George. Because the next place I went to, it was a pig pen. And when I was in that pig pen, I cleaned with a whistle while I worked, like the seven dwarfs. Here I am. My energy is risen. My excitement is up. $170,000 in debt and making $20,000 that year, it suddenly seemed small compared to the size of my dream. And that is what propelled me. So house to house. It didn't matter what house I was looking at. Some were beautiful, but no matter what I was in, I would say to myself, Ken, remember Lake George. Ken, remember Lake George. Now, there is a little irony in this. I said I would like to be Michael C. That turns out not to be true because the first lesson of this podcast is keep your dream big and keep it alive. Just remember that every struggle seems worth it when your dream is big. The second lesson is that Michael C. isn't who I thought he was. He's a high-profile attorney, does awesome, makes a lot of money, has this beautiful house. But here's what I do know. The guy didn't stink and pay me for three months. I had to pester him in my first year. I never had to deal with this before, and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want to hire an attorney. He is an attorney, and it literally took me three months of nagging him to get him to pay me for the work that I had done. I couldn't believe people would do that. He wasn't reliable. He wasn't accountable. In fact, I know that he did not look at me like the mechanical engineer from GE that had met the entire board of directors, including Jack Welch, and was on a tracker of her management. No, he didn't perceive that level of status in me, and I don't care about that stuff. He saw me as the lowly house cleaner, no status at all. And he probably was thinking, oh, whatever, I'll get to them when I get to them. They're not important. They're little peasants to me and what I do because everything I do is more important. He wasn't thinking of me. But here's what I do know is that he was creating ripples, absolutely creating ripples. I don't know what happened to Michael C. after he paid that bill to me. I don't know whether his life has gone well or it has not. I hope that it's gone well. But if he treated other people the way he treated me, 
I'm guessing he's probably had a difficult last 14 years. So there is that second lesson. Months later, I'm remembering Lake George. I'm hanging on to those visuals. My dream is in front of me. But instead of saying, I want to be Michael C., and have a house like that, I said, no way, I would not want to be Michael C. That's not who I am. That's not the type of person I want to be. I want to be Ken Carfagno. I want to be Ken and Teresa Carfagno with our family in a house like that. And you know what? Dreams do come true. We are not in a house like that yet. But it's 2020 as I record this podcast. 14 years. I don't know what's happened to Michael C. I have no idea. Again, I wish him well. Here's where we are. In 14 days, We're going to make the last payment on our debt and be 100% debt-free. $170,000 in debt will be completely gone. And we will be doing our debt-free scream, whether live, in studio, or over the phone with Dave Ramsey himself, the man that helped us get out of debt. And that is going to be an amazing testimony, and I hope that it helps a lot of people. What about then to now in our home? Back then in 2006... We were living in the town of Amsterdam, New York. Now, nothing against Amsterdam, but it's worse than Albany. And we lived in an unsafe part of town because that's all we could afford. Now, today, we still rent a house. But check this out. We have a beautiful old farmhouse on two acres of land. It's 2,300 square feet. It's got this awesome sunroom. And I have my own office space. And the kids have plenty of space to run. There's plenty of trees. There's a a creek, a large creek in the backyard. It's close to our church. We love our house and it's safe. Now we may or may not buy this place, but the point is I remembered Lake George. I never forgot. And things like that, I would get them, collect them and store them in my dream memory. And every time I got down, every time I struggled, which were many, many times, especially in like 2008 when we're making no money still and I'm running a team and I'm disgusted as we just had our second child and we still make no money and we're getting nowhere and I'm thinking about quitting. But I held on. I remembered Lake George and every other memory that I had put into my dream safe to keep my dreams bigger than the struggles I was in. And here's the question I have for you. What is your Lake George house as you start your solo cleaning business? Or if you've been in business for a long time, what is that house that you remember going to that just rocked you and you will never forget it? Remember that house. Keep it in mind to build your dream as big as it can possibly be. So no matter how hard the struggles get, remember Lake George and you will get through it. Thank you for listening to Solo Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.